Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Okay, I'm Lillian. I'm a compulsive overeater. I apologize in advance if I digress, which I tend to do a lot. Um, but I will tell you, over this past week when I started rehearsing, what am I going to say? I said, stop. Just stop. Because you have a higher power. God's going to speak through you. And the whole purpose of this to explain my personal experience, strength, and hope. I know what that is. So I was really afraid, mostly about the technical part, because I'm, I'm not good at that. Anyway, so I look at my 24-hour day book, which I always read. And the bottom of the meditation, it says, A strong love that trusts in God is sure eventually to conquer fear. The only sure way to dispel fear is to have the love of God more and more in your heart and soul. I pray that love will drive out the fear in my life. I pray that my fear will flee before the power of the love of God. Amen. Thank you. And I'm still not a techie, but at least I feel better about it. I came into the program 50 years ago, um, and I had been born chubby. I was from birth a compulsive overeater, but then I thought it was a good thing. And I'm sorry for those of you who've heard this before. Take a break, read your emails, get a coffee. It's the same story. Um, and sometimes I think we'll have different perspectives on it. But hearing it, we might. But living it, that's what it was. My mother's greatest joy, first of all, I was a total gift from God, as all babies are. But I was the third try. They had stillborns and miscarriages. She was 35. Um, and so finally, success. Well, you can imagine. I was obviously the only child. Um, and we'd go out, and I grew up in the Bronx, so you could never tell. Stop that, Arlene. Anyway, um, we'd sit out on the benches in front with the other mothers, bemoaning the fact that their kids won't eat. They're so picky. They don't like anything. My mother would say, look at Lily. She eats everything. So, of course, I joined the Clean Plate Club right away, and I thought it was the best thing you could do. So I was chubby going up, growing up, growing through school, teen years. I'm sure what a lot of us went through. I wasn't overly abused by fellow kids. We didn't know the word then. Just made fun of sometimes. And squeezing into the same hot, sexy pants that my friends did who were all thin. Um, and in recent, about three years ago, my ex-husband found a poster he blew up from my sweet 16. And all these years I felt so fat. And I wasn't fat. I wasn't skinny, but I was like normal size. But, oh, my God, I had that vision for all those years, and I could never get down to the weight you needed to be to be a stewardess or any of those glamorous, fun things. Um, and finally, at one point, I was about 18, I went on a Cosmo diet. There were all these great diets out and about, and they all work. Compulsive has nothing to do with it, though. They work for someone who puts on some pounds and wants to take them off, which wasn't me. At any rate, I found a way when I came to L.A., and I was at a party in the kitchen and, you know, bemoaning, oh, this is so fanning, this looks so good. And some alert person 12-stepped me, and we went to a meeting on a Sunday, and it was fabulous. And I felt at home right away. There were people who shared my story and my size, because I worked and lived with mostly thin people. So here were people all shapes and sizes. I was about, I guess, 50 pounds overweight, roughly. Um, and so I started working the program. I started following the food plan of the program. And which is fine. It's not. I mean, we don't give a diet. But basically, I think the reason OA works is that we don't tell people what you can or cannot eat. We know the foods we can't handle. We know the foods I can't have a bite, a piece, a taste. I can't do it because I'm going to have the whole cake or pie, whatever it may be, you know. So 
that's, I think, the way this program is structured from the genius of AA who set it up. They don't say, right now you stop eating everything that's bad and you're going to be perfect, which is, of course, what we want. It's steps. It's the steps, which at first most of us tend to be impatient and you want to do it all now. And once you realize it doesn't work that way, we didn't put the weight on now. We didn't put it on in five minutes. We're not taking it off that way. But what happens is you start feeling hope. And at first you shut it down because you've been there before and you've been hopeful before and it didn't happen. But if you're reading the material and talking to people and calling a sponsor, you know, one day at a time. The genius of that is we start at the beginning and we think, oh, well, I'm going to this dinner later and I'm going to be here and how am I going to handle that? And you stop it. One day at a time. Just to deal with today, tomorrow will take care of itself. This is, I, again, what I'm sharing is what worked for me. I hope it would work for you. A lot of these things that people told me at the beginning, I would have said, no chocolate for 28 years, get out of here, I'm gone. But we don't. Just today, it's all we have to think about. So I got on and got very involved. I didn't know I wasn't really doing everything. I was just sort of following the diet and calling people. I was out of town for six months, gained 50 pounds, so embarrassed. I didn't want to come back. I told some close friends, I said, I'll come back when I lose some weight. You know how that goes. Anyway, I finally faced up to it and came back, and people were warm and wonderful, and I felt totally welcomed back to the tribe and started working it on and off and taking it more seriously and abstaining. I could never quite make a year. And then at one point, I just was out for like 15 years on hiatus. I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do it. Really, and you can dabble and kind of doubt via dilettante, you know, do it during the week, the weekend, eat whatever you want. Because every week you're breaking your abstinence and going back on. It's torture. Once you commit, you commit one day at a time. And I know many people have abstained and gotten to their maintenance weight and can eat everything. God bless you all. Um, and some of us can't. I don't know about someday. I just know for today. And that's fine. So I came back. It was July 3rd, uh, 28 years ago. So I've been saying 28 years last July. I cannot see what clicked. What finally, it was partly that I realized there was no ceiling. If I was out there eating again, I don't know where I'd end up. And at that point, I was at 225, which was the heaviest yet. And I saw a dear old friend who said to me, what's the matter with you? You look like shit. You got fat. You gained all this. What happened? And it was like, boing, there was my Eskimo. Um, and my kids were out of town at summer camp and all. We were getting divorced. The excuses I had were all gone. And that's when I started. And it was July 3rd. And I was going to the Hollywood Bowl that night. And you know how that is with the food and the food. I took my broiled chicken breast and my carrot and celery sticks, my diet soda. And I said, dear God, if I can make it through this night, uh, I can do anything. And so thank you, God, I did. I can. And um, there are no circumstances that make me blow my abstinence. I would only blow it up here. It's not anything else or anybody else or a mother saying, oh, I made it with love. You have to eat this. You have to try it. It's so good. I say, I believe you. I'll take your word for it. It's so easy when inside I know that I'm not going to eat it. And whatever it is that isn't worth it, then there's no problem. And if other people go on about it, then they say, is that a problem for you? Because it's certainly not my problem. And... The other thing is, it's like people who say they're vegetarian, and I respect that. Others say, yeah, I'm kind of vegetarian. That means, like, where's the meat? You know? If you are, you are. And, you, yeah, sort of, kind of. You can't always sort of, kind of. You know? And there were many times at, earlier on that I would go to meetings and keep going to meetings because you pray that one day you'll get it, and you will. You just don't leave before the miracle comes. 
Some people will say go to six different meetings if you're starting and just hear all different stories from all different people because somebody will have something to say that you relate to. And sometimes you're just in tears because it's so much. You say, how could you have been in my house? How could you have lived my story? Because we've all been through different details, different foods, cities, countries, whatever. It's the same story. Food has the wrong place in our lives. And they say, oh, this is very exciting food. Well, tough shit, you know. If the excitement is coming from food, there's a much bigger problem than overeating, you know. So you finally get to that place because once I've been abstaining for a good while, my food plan was I can't do sugars and sweets and breads and all those yeasty breads that become sugar. Um, so I don't. But beyond that, then you have a food plan, which is what you do eat. And that's adjustable. Whereas the um, the abstinence pretty much isn't, unless one talks to your sponsor and says, you know, I haven't had this in a long time, but maybe I'd try it. And you discuss. Maybe it's time, you know. But by doing it sort of authorized and someone knows it, you're not blowing it. Um, and they may say, no, not yet, not ready yet. And you write, you can write about anything. I mean, it's just incredible the things that you put down on paper and it lets you sort of t- stand back a minute and give kind of an overview and make you think a minute so that you could be reaching for the refrigerator and hope you've got pads of paper all around the house and say, I'll just stop for a minute. Or if you call, say you have a sponsor and you can't reach and you call anybody, anybody whose names and phone numbers are on that list can be called. And if it's the middle of the night, you might look at the any hour list, which is in the 12th stepper, which is O-A-N-L-A-I-G dot org, 12th stepper. There are people that sign up. Believe them. We most of us don't like asking for help or for favors. Well, get over that because it's the only way we're here is we all help each other. And none of us are here because we're so, well, I can only speak for me because I'm so good that I worry about you. So to keep my abstinence, I have to share it with other people or like it's gone. I mean, we help each other because that helps us. And I can't say how many times somebody's called me for something and the phone call and the conversation just helped me so much at that moment with things that I was dealing with. But I wasn't making any phone calls about it, you know. Um, anyway, so the day by day, my spiritual side was in a way the weakest because I'd always believed in God. I always had a concept of God. I was raised Jewish, but in the mo- as secular Jewish as you can be. You know, it was, it was these are the holidays, pork and shrimp, you don't bring them in the house. It was that kind of like being vegetarian. You know, you sort of followed. My parents were not particularly observant at all. Um, but God, I always believed there was one. And I think mainly because it's impossible to think that we're it for me. I can't believe that there isn't a higher power, something beyond us, whatever one calls it, however you look at it. It was the other great thing when I first came into the program that I loved, that my God doesn't have to be your God. You just have to accept something as a higher power. Some people take the program that they believe in. And the sooner you get some of the literature, and there's tons of it, the easier it gets to do the abstinence by using the tools. Isn't it amazing? The tools, it's like tools you have to fix your house. The tools to work the program. Because whatever you're feeling, and obviously if we've been overeating for our lives, you start feeling things when you put the food down. And there's those few days before the euphoria sets in where you feel your waist a little bit, you feel a rib you never felt before or something, and you're deprived and you're not eating and you've cut down, and you know that's when the tools kick in, if you let them. 
you read something, you make a call, you go to a meeting, you go to a Zoom meeting, whatever tool it is that helps you, you just do that, and it will take you through that moment. Sometimes you take a big glass of water. It's amazing how tasty water can be and how filling it can be, again, if we're in the right place, you know. So that was what worked, because it was really difficult at the beginning. And But it's so worth it, and every time you say no to some food, you get stronger. A lot of people just either don't go to events at that time, or they'll go eat their food first, or take something with them, they can go somewhere and eat. I don't. I go, and when I used to be at buffets, if we remember buffets, um, I would go over, my rules would be like an appetizer, a main course, a dessert, if there's a fruit or something I can have, or not. And I discovered saying no to food, just flat out no. Not no, but could I have? Sometimes it would just be, no, thank you. Uh, and I survived. And other, I remember being at the phase, if we need evidence of God's will, one of my favorite saying is coincidences, we're saying slowly, coincidences are God's way of remaining anonymous. <gasps> the first time I heard that, oh my God, it wasn't even pro, it was brilliant. Anyway, I'm being at a buffet, I had what I could have, I'm going back to the table, and I ran into somebody I was talking to, I couldn't get away, <laughs> by the time I got back, the food was gone, they cleaned it all up. I said, thank you God, you know, I mean, messages like that happen very often. And some of our other sayings are cliches because that means they're said over and over and over again. And that's right, because they apply and because they work and they help us through things. And that's what I need. So at any rate, um, once I got back into the program, I'm sorry, I told you I I digressed. Um, When I came back on the program, I started really doing a fourth step for real and fifth step and making amends for what I'd done in past years. And some people, I could, my parents were like, they were of another generation. They're not with us any longer, but they were ready not to be. My mom was like 101, God bless her. And, uh, and oh, way back when I tried to like make amends. What are amends? What are you talking amends? Don't be silly. What the hell is that? So, you know, you, you realize some people, you try. They're not hearing it. They, they're so unable to deal with feelings that you just say, thank you, God, you let it go. You've t- I said, listen, it's okay, we don't have to discuss. Just trust me, I'm sorry. Because I was a bitch at some points as a teenager. Then I would have said it was richly deserved and it was totally fair and you were stepping on my space, but it wasn't nice. So you have five minutes. Okay. Thank you, I'm ready. <laughs> um, at any rate, many other amends I was able to make, stores where I shoplifted, someone said, you just send them cash in an envelope. Sorry, I shoplifted in uh, 1973, and here it is. And then you let it go. That's the other thing about this program. You let things go. Everything doesn't have closure. There are some things that are never closed, and that's where acceptance comes in. Boy, that's really hard for me because I like answers and I like acceptance and say, okay, I can listen to this, but I don't understand why. Why is this bad? Why can't I do this or something? The point is sometimes just shut up and do it. Or I'll ask a sponsor. Some of the rules, I think, are just for the exercise of discipline. Because I don't know about you, but I wasn't the most disciplined in the food area. I would be in work and other things, things I had to get done, take care of business, all of that. But with food, if I was, like, really hungry and I had to do something, I'm going to eat. Food's going to win. Even abstaining. I'll eat what I have to eat. Then do that. But not always, because my level of hunger is not going to kill me. 
I mean, if I go an extra couple hours without a meal, which very often happens. And as we get more comfortable with our absence, we have to be flexible. I can't live rigid this time and this meal and this food and, you know, whatever it takes just to be a little bit um, within the, what I think is important is within the day, how much food you eat. If you have to break it up differently, it's that you don't eat more. Oh, I'm hungry now, but dinner's in three hours. So I'll have the salad now and then I'll have the entree. Fine. You just don't add more food to it. And it works. And you make an abstinence that's comfortable that you can live with because as you get down, it gets less and less as needed, is necessary. And I try to eat slower because your stomach doesn't know you've eaten the food. Apparently, 20 minutes is the magic number. So if I can eat slower, by the time I'm finished with my main course, I'm done, I'm not hungry anymore. If I eat it, scoff it down so fast, my body doesn't know it had it. You know that feeling when you're stuffed and overfull? I'm sure you do, because you eat too fast. So we learn tons of things at the program. I welcome all the newcomers. I'm thrilled that you're here. I'm sure we have more than the opening, too. And um, I hope we'll be hearing from you because the lifeblood of the program is newcomers. That's what keeps it going. You can't rely on old folks, you know, like we're here, but just to help others come along and bring along and help us with the techie stuff. Thank you very much for being here. And um, that's a wrap. And now time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own not those of Overeaters Anonymous. When asking questions, do not identify yourself. I know it doesn't feel natural, but just get on and ask a question. If you have a question, please click, click the raise your hand icon. You'll be called on, and you can then unmute and ask your question. Secretary Nancy High, would you call on people? Absolutely. First up, we have Michael B. Hi, Lillian. Thank you for sharing. Um, so it seems like you have a, a busy, I have a busy head. Okay, so what do you do to calm down, to calm down, to calm yourself without anesthetizing yourself with food? Thank you for asking. Okay, sometimes I just have to stop and take a beat. You know, when you get that way, you say, I have to do this, and I have to stop. Just take a beat, maybe read something, maybe do nothing for a minute. How's that for a concept? Just do nothing for a minute. I remember when you spoke recently, and I wanted to ask you, I'm going to use this minute, you said something about we're out of control, the dilemma of control. I thought, well, if we're, if we're in acceptance, we don't have a dilemma of control because we don't have control. We're accepting. I'm going to turn the question around. Um, and, then, and it's accepting the situation. It's accepting maybe how much time. One of the things that helps is in the morning, sort of look at the whole day and see where I'm getting too crowded, where I have to move something or adjust things, where I wasn't being realistic. So just that. I mean, that does it, you know. That's it. Thank you. L.E.G.? Hi. Hi, Ellie. Hi, Lillian. Thank you so much. I enjoyed your share. Um, what do you do on a daily basis in addition to abstaining? What do you do for your recovery? Okay. Wake up in the morning, 24-hour day book. And there's another OA book just for today. It's um, it's a Hazelden book. I'm not sure if it's printed by it. At any rate, so I read those two books for the day. I take a minute and pray. I do like the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer. 
sometimes then I'll get more specific with things that are bothering me for that day. I don't ask, like, to give me the red wagon. I never wanted a red wagon. But I don't ask for things or items or places or vacations or COVID go away or anything. You just ask to be able to accept whatever happens. And to tr- and the main thing is to try to understand why. This isn't working. That What's, what's the issue? Is it me? Is it them? I don't know. And somehow the answers come, not as like a bolt of lightning, but something will happen. You say, oh, so if that had happened, then this wouldn't have, like that. And you just, and you start accepting sometimes when I can't see the path to trust that it's there, that there's a higher power and God and a sponsor. And you have all these steps along the way that can help you. But that it's really hard sometimes to just say, all right, I'm doing, have I done everything I can in this situation? Whatever it is. And if I have, then letting go. And letting go is the hardest thing, you know. Um, sometimes it's once once you've done everything else you can think of, just let it go. That's it. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Brendan O. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Hi, yeah. Uh, so I kind of have a two-part question. Did you uh, Do you have... Or have you ever had trouble with uh, waking up in the middle of the night and eating? Um, and if so, how do you uh, deal with that? Oh, that's the two parts? Yeah. Actually, no. Once I go to I sleep until I wake up, you know, in the morning. So I just get up to pee maybe, but that's about it. So, um, no, it's like kind of when I'm done, when I'm at home or whatever, the kitchen is closed. But if I did wake up, sometimes I'll be finished with dinner and I'm home watching something or doing something and get hungry later without having I say, sorry, the kitchen's closed. I'm done. That's it. You want something tomorrow. Non-calorie stuff, coffee, tea, diet sodas, water, whatever. It's shocking that if your head's in the right place, it can, like, fill you up. It just needs a little imagination. And just say, I'm going to have this. It's going to be fine. Tomorrow's a brand new day. And I can start eating again, hopefully absolutely and healthy. But, um, no, I've never woken up to eat. No. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I mean, I'm glad. I have enough other things. It's not one of them. Okay. Julie T. Hi, Lillian. Thanks. Um, how, how do you know when your life at the moment is God's will for you? Well, talk about acts of faith, you know. Um, sometimes you don't know, but you can't think of any other life that you'd like to start working to have. It's like, this is the life I have. And maybe you sit down to pros and cons. This is what's good. This is what's bad. Do I want to change it? Maybe I need to make changes in that life because I could do better or make it more interesting. That could be the place, the, the place that you say, no, this isn't working. I want to change. And then you got to really stop and think, what do you want to change? How bad is it? Are you going to make it worse? You know, writing, it's amazing. Putting things down on a piece of paper is incredible. And read it. To, don't trust yourself. Read it to a sponsor. Sometimes you just call someone in a way you don't even know and read it to them. And it could be a godsend, you know. But it calls for a lot of faith and a lot of trusting that the program works, that you do have a higher power that will let you know. Or strange things happen. And you say, is the message here? Get the hell out of here. Or make some changes in some area of your life. I mean, sometimes that's it, and you're afraid to look at that. Change is scary. Um, so maybe I'll stick with this crap rather than take a chance on changing it because I don't know what I'll get. 
sometimes this right now becomes bad enough. You say, I'm taking the risk. I don't care what it is. I just need to change it. And we know we know we're not doing a geographic because wherever I go, I go too and spoil everything. So that ain't going to help. So you just look um, as truthfully as you can. And I think those tools will help really finding the answer. And then you just stop and take a beat and let it go a minute. Give that an opportunity, a chance. Even he's got to need time to answer. So leave it for a minute, a minute, a day, whatever. And I'd like to say the answers will come if your own house is in order. See, we start quoting OA stuff without even thinking about it. You just do, you know. So that's it. Please, Zoe? Any- Zoe? Hi, uh, Zoe Overeater. Um, Hi, Zoe. I think that's how I, I identify. Um, when you first started, because I don't know anything about this program, we okay. put on a uh, a food schedule of what you can eat and what you can't eat. Well, no one else puts you on it. What you do is, because we're not doc- diet doctors or nutritionists. I mean, some of us may be coincidentally, but that's not, not our goal. What you do is you determine what foods you can't eat comfortably, what foods you can't eat like a gentleman or a lady, have a bite or a piece, so this is my portion, I'm done. You have to be rigorously honest because no one else is going to tell you what you can or should eat. You know, it's you say, I can't handle these foods. Okay, so let's try, eliminate those foods. You're going to say, oh, no, I can't, I must have this, I must have my butter and that and my milk and and whatever it is, I I can't. Try it for a meal, maybe for a day. And just try it, and you'll be astounded that you can do it. I'm not talking about medical conditions or allergies or hypoglycemia if you have to eat every five hours. All of those things can be accommodated, you know. But you just, because, again, we're not doctors, and there are millions of programs out there. Some people go to Weight Watchers or Jenny Crate, whatever. doesn't matter. That's the food part. That's not the abstaining and the compulsive eater part. It doesn't, they don't deal with that. That's not their job, you know. So the simplest thing might be try OA, try getting a sponsor, find somebody in a meeting that you relate to their pitch. Basically, we have men sponsor men and women sponsor women, um, and ask them to sponsor you. And if they can't, they'll take it personally. Some people have so many, they can't take more, but they'll recommend somebody who they know is really good and could help you. Um, so just ask, and you'll see. The, the, the thing is the honesty. The rigorous honesty to say, oh, I don't want to give that up. Oh, I just want to say, all right, I'm not giving it up forever. One day at a time. I'll try it for a day. Because if I so won't give it up, then I know I have a problem. So just agree to try for a day, to be really honest. You can always take it back. It's not forever. The door's not locked, you know. So just try that. That's it. Thank you. Nancy? Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi, Lillian. Hey. Uh, Lillian, my love, you know that for 44 years of sitting in this room, I have really, in these rooms, I have really not hear, heard such clarity, such absolute rigorous honesty, such <laughs> stability in knowing what your food plan is, and I'm grateful for your share. Um, Lillian, would you share with us a little, because there's so many new people here, in order to get abstinent, and to get off that slippage chain, are there things you had to give up? Did you kind of like squeeze away in for a while, once in a while? Did you change things around to give it a Did you do service? Um, did you call a lot of people? I mean, did you? was there a change? Did you kind of have to change your old way of living to get this new way? What did you have to give up in gotcha. order to get abstinent? I got okay. it. 
Okay, thank you. Yes, and I'm sorry, I didn't mention service, shame on me. Service is so important, particularly at the beginning. It's one of the things I did, because we maybe don't have so much self-worth that we believe we should go to a meeting because it's good for us, but if we promise someone else, we committed, whatever the job may be, then we're showing up for someone else, and it makes it much more likely that we'll be there. So at the beginning, also, you know, you don't maybe you don't know anybody, and they'll say that somewhere that there's no stars or VIPs, the fact is there are, and they're the people that give service, that it's wide open. Everybody is welcome to. And you can't be a diva. You know, you might be sweeping up and might be making coffee when, again, we have meetings where we have coffee. Um, any kind of service that you give, for me, it was much more comfortable to do one of those kind of physical things until I knew my way around better. I didn't want to sort of plunge in. You can become a delegate, you, be a, a, after a secretary. And all of those things get you involved. So that it isn't only about you and your food and what you can eat and what you can't eat. It's about other people and you get to know other people. And it's a huge help in getting involved, like at the meeting level. And as time goes on, if you choose to, you can be at the LA Intergroup level, the regional world service, or um, sky's the limit. I mean, whatever you feel comfortable with. But you're not pushed. You don't have to. Some people just want to make phone calls and take phone calls. That's fine. We don't want to guilt anybody, you know. Um Unless you hear 10 years, you haven't done shit, then maybe it's time to be doing something. Whatever you choose, maybe it's generous donations, whatever way you comfortably can get involved. But the program, you know, it works if you work it, and it can give back as much as you give. So that's why um, getting involved is so helpful. It becomes a part of your life. And you'll say, oh, I'm so busy. I can't get to that meeting. Wait a minute. I had time to eat. I had time to load up food at this market and go to that market and take they could eat in the car and they need at home. I can make the time. You just get a whole other set of what's important. Your priorities shift. And you realize, yeah, I really want to knock this weight off. Okay, this is what I'm going to have to do. It's like, if you want what I have, you have to do what I do. Is another one of our many wonderful expressions. You just have to be willing to give it up. And after a while, you see it's not so painful. Because we had so much bullshit time that we wasted and all that we can easily fit in meetings. And ideally, a few meetings a week. Some people at the beginning do a dead meeting a day for 30 days, if you can, a few times a week, whatever you're able to do. And now with Zoom, God knows, you can be on a meeting around the clock. So, I mean, horrible though this all is, in some ways, it's really opened up a way, made it international. People can hear meetings. We can hear people from all over. That's the great part of it. Yeah. So there's lots of tools to get you through. Sandy? Good morning. I'm Sandy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Lillian, thank you so much for your um, direct information. It's extremely helpful to me. I've got a couple years in another program. I've come in late, and I've got about 40 days of abstinence in um, this program. And I wanted to ask you um, specifically about strategies. I'm, I get a little bit confused between the rigorous honesty part versus a strategy like drink getting a glass of water. Um, when I'm in the kitchen, I, I mean, I'm really realizing how much I want to gobble when I get super stressed. And um, uh, and so it's like I'm, ha- I'm having things work. I've got the 40 days and things are actually getting easier and I'm getting great comfort from the, the food plan works for me. But I, it's like sometimes if I just get a glass of water, I go meditate or even write. I'm wondering if I, did you ever 
Like stay in the kitchen and stay in the scary part. It's fear. My question is about fear. Like when do you take the fear head on and go with that rigorous honesty and let everything come up and run the risk of, I don't know, self-combusting or whatever happens when, or, or distracting, going for the water, going for the journal. Can you help me with that? I think so. I'm not sure. I don't know if you live alone or with other people. You might go into the kitchen and say, fuck you, food. You know, you're an inanimate object laying there. You are not going to run my life. I'm sorry. Snap out of it. It's enough. You know? I mean, just think about it. This thing is laying there. It's nothing. It doesn't have a heart or soul. It doesn't talk anything. Five minutes. Thank you. That's going to ruin your life. You're going to allow that to make you carry around extra weight to make you unhealthy and sick and what have you and all of that. All right, so maybe that you try that sometime. There are other things. Maybe you stick notes up. That works sometimes. Don't do it. Eat me. Screw you. I'm not eating you. Whatever it takes that will remind you, because sometimes we think we forget, but we really don't. We think we forget when we open the refrigerator that we're not supposed to be there. We don't need to be there. We had breakfast and we had our meals for the day, our snacks, whatever it is we have. Done. Sometimes you hang a sign. Kitchen is closed. You use any things that you can that will cause that instant stop because sometimes, you know, you stop for a minute and they'll say something that you're going to eat, pick up the phone. It's not very tasty. Call somebody, call a sponsor because just that action. And if you talk to them for a minute and they might say, why don't you think about it? Maybe in an hour, maybe tomorrow. Just don't do it for right now. Sometimes it'll work. Again, it depends where our heads are, but we don't have to be slaves to food. I mean, we just don't. I mean, think about it, you know, and we have been for so much of our lives. Let's see how life is when we're out of slavery and out of bondage and we're free. And it doesn't matter what food you see or what you run across or whatever happens outside of us. It doesn't matter. I mean, to this day, if I'm sometimes running late and I'm at a meeting and I have to go to something else and I have power bars with me, I have to eat some. And I'm in the car with a power bar and I want to look at the car and say, it's okay. It's my lunch. It's my lunch. It's okay. I can't eat the car without feeling guilt. Lots of things start becoming more comfortable. And I swear to God, it gets easier. It truly does. Every time you say no, it's like a little niche, a little niche. And it gets, it does get easier, really. So, thank you. And take us out. We have Don. Uh, thanks, Lillian. So, uh, Lillian, would you describe what you do on a daily basis to stay spiritually fit? You mean food-wise or life? No, whatever your spiritual routine or your OA. Okay. This COVID has been very interesting for me because I lost like 18 pounds in the several, six, four months or so. Um, because one of the things it's done, so I do my reading, my meditations. Okay, shout, dress, whatever I'm doing. A couple of days we have exercise class for an hour, thank God. Other days, other physical exercises. Something I had work stuff to do, paperwork, 4,100 emails and to get rid of and go through and stuff. Um, some days I'm going out. Other days I have stuff to do at home. But the wonderful thing that's given, this has given me is time to cook vegetables, times to do things very normally in my life. And I realize now how overly busy we get because, I mean, oh, I can't cook. I'll grab this from the freezer and I'll grab that and I'll eat. I mean, I'm all talking about abstinent foods, but they're not the best and the healthiest. I can cook fresh vegetables. I can buy two pounds of spinach, so I eat a half a cup, just like that. There are things I have time to do. Right now, I'm staying at my boarding. My son is in town. My daughter's coming in. I haven't seen them in over a year because of all this, so I'm thrilled. So life is not the norm 
right now. It's a little different, but it doesn't matter. The food stays the same, what I can eat and what I can't eat. Some days now I'll try to do main meals lunch and then at dinner have like a salad with lighter food. It doesn't always work, but when I can, I think it's like healthier for us, you know. Um, otherwise, anytime things, situations come up that I need help with, or like I don't know what to do with it, I'll either go into another room, depending where I am, and just stop, just stop, pray, to give myself the chance to think. Because very often I said, well, sure I'll do that. Okay, I'll be there. Okay. I say, wait a minute. Let's just think a minute. Can you? Can you do it maybe tomorrow, not today? Uh, I've gotten much better at that. We have to take care of ourselves. You know, it's like on the plane. You remember planes, you know, with the oxygen mask. We're not in good health. We can't help anybody else. So sometimes I'll say, I'm happy to help you, but here's when or how or whatever. Um, and I find life works that way. It just works, and I'm not always fighting, and I'm not always pushing things uphill. I had a roommate many years ago. Every day would come and say, I had to fight this and this and this and that. And I finally had to say, think about maybe it's you, you know. You're having fights all day, all day with every people. That's our time, Lillian. And on that note, thank you.